is White Sox Weekly, the Chicago baseball conversation on the new flagship home of the Sox, 720 WGN. And a very pleasant good afternoon, White Sox Weekly on the air. Harry Tynowitz wearing his Loyola Rambler color shirts and the White Sox supporting as well as is the whole city. We got baseball and we'll sneak in a little Love for the Ramblers as well. Four days, 20 hours, 35 minutes, 16, 15, 14, 13. Till you next kiss a girl? Till I next kiss a girl or more likely opening day at the Kansas City Royals this Thursday. We're going to talk to Joel Goldberg who covers the Royals at about 5.08 and 30 seconds today as part of our White Sox Weekly. Matt Davids, it's going to be on the show. Ed Farmer in 10 minutes and our friend Chuck Garfine from NBC Sports Chicago right after 4 o'clock. You're Harry Tynowitz. Yes, I am. Uh, he's at the Carm. I'm Hey Tweet Harry. Go ahead and uh, tweet us. Uh, we will uh, talk to you that way or you could text us. We'll talk to you that way, right, Carm? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at the Carm, 312-981-7200 if you'd like to text us. We have some interactive features for you today on the show. We'll get to that in a bit. Yes, Harry, I see you pointing. I see well, you wanting. Well, I think, I, I think, you know, that the plan with the White Sox, this is year two of the rebuild. So the plan with the White Sox is to get great in a couple of seasons. But you look at what the Loyola Ramblers are doing. Oh, and they are about, you know, they're just, you know, I mean, in, in what, about four hours, they could be going to the Final Four. So crazy things can happen. There, James Shields says, hey, this team could win it right now. Remember, James Shields was on Tampa when they finished last, and then the next season, boom. They're going to the World Series. I'm going to never say die, certainly not before you even open the season, guy. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, by the way, today's a somewhat important day as uh, – we wrap up spring training. White Sox are leading the Dodgers 4-3. The Dodgers. The Dodgers. 4-3. They're in the fifth. Why is this interesting today, Harry? Well, Carson Fulmer is facing the Rangers today in a minor league game that starts at 3 o'clock. And Hector Santiago is starting against the Dodgers. So that is the battle for your fifth starter. Now, I think, I mean, I would bet a lot of money that Carson Fulmer is going to get that spot. But... Today is sort of the final salvo in who's going to be pitching uh, come the regular season in that fifth slot. Well, the first 90% of spring training, you know, Santiago was the better guy. And uh, White Sox fans know him, of course. Uh, he started his career here. He uh, was very, very good pitcher for the Sox for a while. But Carson Fulmer started out the season, and he just wasn't great. I mean, I love the guy. How, how do you not love the guy? I mean, he's a cool guy. And the Sox do a good job with their, uh, you know, drafting pitchers first. You know, Chris Sale, very productive. Jim Parquet, although he took a bad rap, Jim Parquet was very productive for this team. And I think Carson Fulmer could be something. Certainly reason to believe because the end of last season, I think, is the Carson Fulmer you're going to end up with, not the beginning Carson Fulmer or the Carson Fulmer from the prior season. But, yeah, I I think the White Sox want Fulmer to be in the rotation. Well, and... Yes, if the the White Sox could get the Carson Fulmer at the end of last season, when in six appearances he had an ERA of one point six four, 
Uh, it's not bad. Uh, 17 in the third innings. Uh, yes, the the uh, the White Sox would, would would very very much take that. Hector Santiago to me he just seems like a swing guy right now. He's been pitching out of the bullpen mostly in spring training. He's got one start now, two today. So I, I think that's a guy who uh, you you put in your bullpen. Guys struggle. He comes in fourth fifth inning, picks you up. And look, it is a development year. At least, uh, in th- at least for now, things can change very rapidly. Get up to a great start. I think. Look, you want you want to see what Carson Fulmer is, even and you don't want to base things on spring training. To me, you put him in the rotation and you let him roll, and and hopefully he pitches great. And if he doesn't, well, then you can figure things out from there. That's how I would go about it. Yeah, and and, and you know, it's it's all about to happen. And you know, it's funny they're starting in Kansas City because Kansas City for a while was this young team and now the Royals are one of the older teams in baseball. That's true too and which is it's a very interesting comparison the White Sox and the Royals and the Royals they allowed their prospects to come to the majors they allowed them to play and to struggle and then they and they added on some veteran presences and then they went to the World Series in 2014. Is presences a word? Uh, is presence a word that we can pluralize? You know what, Harry? Uh, it, it's uh, 3.39 on a Saturday afternoon. feels above my pay grade to really dive mm-hmm. into a presence right now. But I mean, if we have, if I give you a like a Christmas present or a Hanukkah present mm-hmm. and I give you more than one, yeah. we could pluralize that Those presence. presence. But I don't know. Do we? And, and I, I don't have the answer necessarily. I feel like somebody else just jumped into your chair, like in, in, in is in your body right now. This is not a normal question that you would ask. No, it's not a normal question I would ask. But I, I, I hey, look, yes. I, I appreciate your unpredictability. Don't a, get me wrong. A normal question for the sixth time this week. I'm going to ask, what's the new food going to be at Guaranteed Rate Field? Well, I, that's what we need to do on White Sox Weekly is break down the food. Well, that's going to be, um, you know, up for, uh, you know, on the bill of fare. Well, stay tuned for Brooks Boyer joining the program next week. So there's that. And we can certainly talk about, if you would like, at some point today, Revolution Brewing and the White Sox creating an outstanding partnership, which uh, we're going to have a nice, sweet, branded bar down the left field line at Guaranteed Rate Field. And I personally am, well, of course, I will be working very hard, so I will not be able to partake, perhaps. But the, the, the Sox Social Lounge and Revolution Brewing coming to the Sox Social Tap Room. This, I mean, this is going to be amazing. So, uh, and I loved Brooks Boyer's quote uh, earlier this week. I'm not breaking any news here, but White Sox fans like to drink. And we've heard over and over that people appreciate a wider selection. Yep, yep, they do. Yes, so that that's a beautiful thing. Hey, let's uh, let's get Ed Farmer in here. So we'll take a quick time out, bring in the radio play-by-play voice of your Chicago White Sox. He is coming up next on White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. Infield up at first and third. Double play at short and second. There's Rose. It's a bouncer down to Randolph. Willie over to Yount. One and back to first. Double play. So Rose hits into a double play to end it, but here in the sixth inning, the National League comes up with a couple of runs. Who got that ground ball there, Harry Tynowitz? Well, we didn't hear it, but it was Ed Farmer induced Charlie Hustle to hit into an ending, inning-ending double play. That, I don't know if Ed Farmer remembers that. I'm guessing he does. White Sox radio play-by-play voice. Is that, uh, is that exactly how you envisioned that pitch uh, ending up there, Ed? Thanks for joining us, by the way. Fastball. It was nothing I remembered it, but uh, <laughs> it was a high fastball center home plate, and Rose never forgot it when I joined the Phillies. 
He goes, I swung at a pitch that I didn't want to. I said, I guess I made you do that. Is that what you're blaming me? And he started laughing. He goes, no. <laughs> I thought it was good to hit. What there wasn't said was how great of a double play Randolph started. Because the ball was hit on two hops. The second hop betrayed him a little bit. He shoveled it to Young backhanded. And Robin flat-footed, doubled up Rose at first base. Flat-footed, did not take a strike, just flipped it over there and got him. Pretty good ball player. Yeah, one of my close friends was at my wedding with Dempsey and a couple other guys. And yeah, Robin and I go back a long time. I played with him. He came uh, lived with me in Puerto Rico when he was 18 years old. And I went, this guy's this guy's ready to play in the big leagues. He's already been there and he's 18. Yeah, I, it make that makes me wonder. Like, and and I, I don't want to put the card in front of the horse here or whatever, but uh, it makes me think like could. Because Rob Meow was such a unique guy who shortstop to turn into an outfielder, and I'm like, could Tim Anderson do something like that down the line if need be? I feel like he certainly has the athletic ability to do it. I mean, who who else had, uh, you would know better than me, like off the top of your head? Who, who, who's made that transition as well as Rob Meow did in his career? Like, I, I can't you know, Rory Garcia right now with us. Well, yeah, that, yeah there's yeah. one. Fourth outfielder. Plays from the bench. He goes out and plays center field. He's got above average throwing arm. Accuracy, I'm not sure of. I haven't seen him that much in center. But he could play anywhere in the infield, anywhere in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy I remember was uh, the guy with Atlanta. Was a catcher. All of a sudden, Bruce Benedict? Back. Yeah. No, not Bruce Dale Benedict. Murphy. Dale Murphy, you got it. And he had a problem throwing the ball back to the pitcher. So they moved him to center field. <laughs> which which isn't good. Uh, Fermio, yeah. you were an all-star closer representing the um, – you, you, you represented the White Sox in the all-star game, and uh, I want to know about the closer situation for the Pale Hose heading into the 2018 season. I don't think it's been defined yet. I mean, you've got, you know, Sori out there in the bullpen. You've Farquhar out there in the bullpen. You have a host of guys, and the rules have changed the landscape of that when he took over 79 with the White Sox uh, – using a bridge, using a closer. And his first year there, uh, I threw 119 innings out of the bullpen. (laughs) And then we moved it. He changed the dynamics of the bullpen. Now it wasn't a pitch count so much then. It was whether or not you were going to use a reliever in the fifth, sixth, seventh. And with Billy Martin, he went to John Heller in Detroit one day in the third or fourth inning in Texas. He pitched the rest of the game. And Hiller was a great stopper with the Tigers. And it, it was defined. And then LaRusso did the same thing with Eckersley in Oakland. The guy who got from the Cubs, I believe it was from the Cubs to the Oakland days, 87 or 88. And the starting role was filled with guys like Dave Stewart. And they had they had guys, and he put them in there out of the bullpen. And Eckersley responded. They didn't, it was like he was knocking down statues, just rolling a ball at him, and they were making outs. And then put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Dennis Eckers in the Hall of Fame. He, he, was, he was an awesome closer, except when he had to face uh, Kirk except when he had to face Kirk Gibson in the World Series. Yeah, you know, I asked, uh, I, I thought Scully's called, Mr. Vince Scully had the call. He goes, this is a roll of the dice. I mean, give you a good problem. He couldn't walk right. Right. And I said to him, I said, what was the toughest part of that at bat? He goes, Running the bases, <laughs> and, and now his son. could get around the bases, and and now Gibby's son is in the Tigers organization. Probably be up yeah. sometime this year. Not surprising. I mean, you know, I've known Kirk a long time. We've had that Olsen, uh, 
he's battling the health issue right now. And, uh, he's just a great guy. He's a great competitor. That's what you want. No gray area. Stay against you. Let's go to work. And Gibson's one of the first guys to come over and shake your hand and say, congratulations, you beat me. And you know that he's thinking, next time, you're not going to be so fortunate. <laughs> he wants that. When he hit that ball, when he hit that ball, Scully goes, to hear where the impossible happens, the improbable happens tonight. I mean, please, he couldn't walk. Uh, all right, so give us one name. If you had to bet which White Sox pitcher will have the most saves this season, who are you betting on? Well, that's a tough question. You know, I've only seen nine games over there. We really haven't defined the role yet. Um, I'd be hard-pressed not to. I've been seeing Soria pitch, so I can I mean, I know what he can do. Um, Manaya pitched well out of the bullpen last year also. Go with Nate Jones. Jones, I'm not sure about how healthy he is. Certainly has thrown good this spring. I mean, we sent a kid down the other day to the minor leagues. He's got a microscopic urban average, but he's not ready yet. When he gets ready, I mean, the amount of talent is coming that we think we have. And it's a tip of the cap to Williams and also Rick Hahn. They've done a great job with this, as everybody has, scouting these individuals. And Colpeck's on the rise. I mean, we got to see uh, Cease the other day, and uh, a week ago, uh, Friday, about 10 days ago. And he had the Mariners like it was ridiculous. He had an overhand curveball. His fastball was jumping. changeup was great. You know, for him... He was 1-10 last year on two minor league stops at South Bend and Kannapolis. <laughs> I said, how were you 0-8? I mean, yeah. he was 0-8 at Kannapolis. And uh, his stuff is – he had an earn run average of three-something. He was 1-10, combined earn run average. So something wasn't wrong with that. When I saw him pitch, I went, this guy's got big talent. We, we've talked fairly scratch the surface with him. This guy's ready to go. We sent him down. And they'll be up. It's just a question of when and who they push out of the way. The great Ed Farmer with us here on White Sox Weekly. Mark Carmen and Harry Tynotes with you till 5.30, WGN. I mean, when you you look at so much talent coming, and i just wondering, what, what are your expectations for this year, Ed? I mean, as you, as you go into it, there's – I mean, I – it's a long baseball season. You get off to a good start. Guys come up. I mean, I don't see any reason why you want to not say that they, they couldn't surprise. But how are you looking at it? I'm looking at it this way, Mark. And I think that's a valid question. White Sox fans, we're crawling right now. I mean, I set a goal of we want to win every game. And I, I you do. You have to also be a realist that they're not going to win every game. Something's going to happen. And I hate to disappoint the people who think we're going to win every game, but you play 162 regular season games. Somewhere along the line, you're going to lose. i got to see how we bounce back after a losing streak of five or seven, and hopefully it won't be that long. But a losing streak of seven games, how they perform, what they do, and how they turn things around. They're getting very disciplined in spring training, running the bases and backing up bases. When you go to see the White Sox play this year, you're going to see – Motion of baseball that few people see. The backup of second base on a, on a throw there by the right fielder from a throw from the third baseman to the second baseman to start a double play. Right fielders running in from right field just in case the ball gets by. And he's going to be right there. They think about taking the extra base 
they're not cognizant of the fact that he's going to be there. They take off and they're going to be out. That's what Renteria has brought to this program. I don't care uh, how you get it done, but I want everybody hustling. I don't want you loafing. And if you feel sorry for yourself and you loaf, they'll take you right out of the game immediately. He's done it this spring. Yep. So the discipline of that uh, runs echoes. Nobody's better than anybody else. We're going to play as a unit. And units, uh, when they grow, Houston uh, Astros, are, you know, they run the World Series in 05, and we beat them four straight. They didn't do one thing wrong in the World Series. Every game was one run that we won. Now they come back last year with kids that they grew through their organization. And we're doing the things that we traded for them. Now they're in our organization. We want them to respond. Almost like the Houston Astros, maybe even better. So what realistic view, I would say you try to win every game. If you're 500 at the end of the season, I think that's a huge jump. It, it would be, no doubt. And, and you, I mean, and, that's what you have to look at. Yeah, and, well, and, learning how to play. And and seeing the guys, especially that you want to see grow along the way, I mean, that would be an awesome year. Ed, you're, you're talking it's about fun. Go ahead. It's amazing. I mean, you know, uh, my thing is this. Say say the 13 players are, and ahead of by Eloy Jimenez, as far as what I've seen in spring training. I mean, he had two, two home runs last week. One of them went at almost 500 feet. I mean, it was a no-doubter. People try to catch those balls usually. One of them in the bullpen the next time up, guys had their gloves on. They didn't want to get in the way of it. It was a laser beam shot to right field into the bullpen at Gamelback Ranch. But the one before that, they cleared all the fences in our ballpark. Forget about the fence, the linear fence inside the dimensions of this field. I'm talking about the walkways behind that fire office building. It went over everything. So those things we want, those are the guys. If you have 13 of those guys, which they say we do, if you get half of them to the big leagues, it's half your ball club on the field. That's, that's huge. But they go through different transitions. They get hurt. Some guys don't come back. Berger got hurt with an Achilles. We want him to come back healthy again. We want him to be the guy the, the, that he was what we saw. And we don't want him to be injured and cost him his, his time at the big league level ever. So we want to get him rehabbed, get him back on the field healthy, and then turn it. But there's guys who just don't get it. They get there, and they got all the ability in the world. It just doesn't turn out. Hopefully we won't have those guys. Hey, the guys who want to play at the big league level of land. Uh, Fermio, before we bid you adieu, uh, Nicky Delmonico last year had an on-base percentage of 373. I swear to God, I thought it was like 800. Every game yeah. I every game I watched, the guy was on-base. Uh, tell us something. Is this guy as good as he looked last year? He waits on the ball. He waits on the ball. His hands are in a very strong position. There's not a lot of wasted movement, meaning he's not moving his upper body, gliding towards the pitcher. His swing, as all swings, good ones, they start with generation of the lower body first. His hands are in a strong position. Yesterday, I think he had a double down the left field line, and he just reached out and just slapped at the left field. Last year when he came up, I think he reached base 12 or 13 consecutive games, either by a hit or walk, but he was on base. And... He can hit. There's one thing that I've, I know all my life. I know when a guy has a great swing, he's got a great swing. 
So yeah, I thought he, I thought he had on base percentage like a seven fifty, but it's hard to believe. But he can hit. That's a fact. Ed Farmer, always great to talk to you. It's a back-to-back week for us, so we really appreciate it. You, how about those? Be anytime you want. We're on tomorrow. Yes, a two o'clock start. That means it's noon in Arizona tomorrow. So it's two o'clock start on WGN Radio on the Sox Radio Network. And hopefully tomorrow we're going to host the Brewers, and they're going to have Braun in the lineup because they're really strong. They got a good ball club with Yelich and Wright, yep. and also Lorenzo Cain in center. That's just a couple of the guys that yeah. played great last year. Right, and Lorenzo Cain in center for Milwaukee makes the yeah. White Sox stronger. <laughs> that's a fact. He's just—he's a great player. Yeah, he's a great player. I mean, that's that's, and Braun is great at first base, hitting wise home runs. They're gonna put some—they're gonna put some. Uh, points on the board. Make no mistake about that. You're not bad to have Lorenzo Cain out of the AL Central and a couple other Royals too, Eric Cosmer. Yeah. Farmio. Yep. <laughs> Farmio, you're the best. Uh, go watch the Ramblers today. You're going you to check them out? Road for Loyola right now, okay? There you go. Yeah. Get to the Elite Eight. Yes. It's hard to believe, Perry, because as you know, it's 9 versus 11, I think, today. Right. I'm on the Elite Eight. It doesn't work numerically. You're the Elite Eight, but you're ranked ninth and 11th. How does that work? I think it has something to do with uh, the, uh, you know, something to do with, like, the um, uh, time change. <laughs> George Ireland would be rolling around right now, the ex-coach at Loyola. I think he took him way deep in that NCAA tournament in the 60s. Right. The, the question is for me, you know, next year, who gets offered more money by a different university, Porter Moser or Sister Jean? Yeah, okay. But... Farmio, we'll, we'll hear you tomorrow. Okay, take care, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Our pleasure. Ed Farmer, radio play-by-play voice of the Chicago White Sox. We need to get a quick timeout in here. 720 WGN. Hi. Just whacked myself <laughs> in the face <laughs> with a busted headphone to the right ear. Did you see that? Yeah. I wish, mean, we, wish we were filming that. Uh, We've got footage, right? Well, I was putting out a tweet, White Sox Weekly continues on at WGN Radio. Matt Davidson. What did I warn you about multitasking, Carl? Yeah, that's what you said to me. Yeah, I think you told me to multitask. Chuck Garfine will be with us at 435. Joel Goldberg, who does great work for Fox Sports down in Kansas City, will be with us at 510. So, that's all coming up, and I'm going to go mm-hmm. ice my face, and, so, and we'll get you the news. <laughs> 720 WGN. Going to strike. Davidson drills it. Left center field. No matter where it lands, it's over. It's gone. Davidson plays here on 3 1. See you later. Walk-off winner against the Indians, Matt Davidson, who's going to be joining us on White Sox Weekly at 720 WGN. My name is Mark Carmen. Harry Tynowitz along as we go until 530 ahead of Blackhawks hockey. Uh, the Blackhawks and the New York Islanders tonight as the season winding down there. And, of course, the Ramblers tip off one hour from now. Very excited to see Loyola hopefully get through today against Kansas State. You know, their guards, uh, Clayton Custer and Ben Richardson, they're both from Overland Park, Kansas. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever mentioned I worked in Kansas Did City. You know? Overland Park, a uh, fine suburb. And I just, and these kids, you know, grew up Big 12 land, right? Right. Watching, now they're playing K-State. Now they're playing K-State to go to the Final Four. How cool is that? My freshman year, my roommate was from Overland Park. Is that right? Yep. And then uh, I, I switched, and I got a guy from Gladstone Mo. 
Was the Overland Park guy a uh, member of the tribe? No, no, no. He wasn't? No, okay. No. Well, it's a, it's a very big right. member of the tribe community around the, Kansas City. The, the, the Gladstone, Missouri guy, yeah. uh, John Spotswood, was the star of the baseball team, and I had his fake ID. Uh-huh. And uh, so I'm like a freshman. I'm 5'9", uh, you know, 200-something. And uh, he baseball season starts, and this guy's got the longest hitting streak in the country. And people in the bars have known me as John Spotswood now for like seven months. So like he would he would get like a hit his last time up. They go, hey John, were you trying to get a home run? And I go, no, I was just trying to you know get on board. Like you really think I'm a baseball player? Okay. You had that presence, Harry. I yeah. bet you walked into the bar. Mm-hmm. You had that athletic strut to you. No, that didn't go on. I did have a strut. Hey, uh, Harry, the 2018 Ballpark Pass is on sale for a limited time only. You can get access to 36 home games, 36 of these, in April, May, and September. That excludes opening day and the Cubs series. But 36 games for just, do you remember? 200 $126. How, how can that be? Uh, it's a great deal. Pass is available through your MLB Ballpark app. You can get more information at WhiteSox.com slash pass, and you can download the MLB Ballpark app through the App Store today. Someone, like, like borrowed from the wrong column on that one. Yeah, it's... They're, they're, they're like, giving you... They're paying you. I mean, that, that that's way too good a deal to be true. You go to all the games, you, it's, it's four bucks a game. You, Four bucks a game. You go to say ten games, it'd be twelve dollars and sixty cents a game. Uh, I'm suddenly confused. Just just uh, doing the math here for you. All right, so Matt Davidson, we're waiting on him. Uh, who's going to join us here? He's had a great spring. Yeah, 19 ribs. Yep, leads leads the team in RBIs. He's got a triple. He's got three doubles. He's got four homers. He leads the team in walks as well, which I think is a huge stat for Matt Davidson. He does. He has struck out 19 times. I think that's a big. Uh, you know, if Matt Davidson is going to become what the White Sox want him to become, cutting down on the strikeouts is part of it. But, you know, on the other side of it, if you're hitting home runs like you did last year, 26 of them, second best of all rookies behind Aaron Judge, not too bad. So, yeah, yeah Judge fell is pretty good. Yeah, he, not not bad at all. So uh, we'll, we'll hopefully have Matt on in a moment. So I, uh, I'd like to discuss with you, Harry, mm-hmm. what is uh, going on with the – uh, White Sox in, in center field. Ryan Cordell, yes, who had a very good spring, mm-hmm. was sent down to AAA uh, this week. Yes, he had a very good spring. So that was uh, – Cordell, if you don't know, came over from the Brewers in the Anthony Swarzak deal. Um, hit 317 this spring, 417 on base, eight RBIs, 41 at-bats. Don't want to overthink things in spring training. Uh, and Adam Engel is going to be your starting center fielder. He's also had a phenomenal spring with uh, uh, and and forty one. What's that? Forty one. Yeah, Adam Engel. Right, exactly. And uh, OPS for Adam Engel this spring one thousand one hundred and twenty seven, which is ridiculous. Plus, this is a guy who you know plays great defense. But I the Ryan Cordell could be up here, and then you also. You know, you're sitting there with Charlie Tilson at AAA if he gets healthy. And then there's this guy, Luis Robert, who won't most likely be here this year, going to start out at single A when he, when he gets hurt healthy. Hurt right now. But, and hurt right now with the thumb injury for, you know, two months to ten weeks, something like that. But you got a lot of guys who can play in the middle of the outfield. So 
I mean, if Adam Engel doesn't play well, he's not going to be out there. He's, I'm, I'm assuming that he'll get, you know, two months to prove himself. But there's just a lot of options for the White Sox. And I think Cordell did very well from the spring, even though he's going to start out at AAA. Hey, well, I mean, again, I'm really excited about Nicky Delmonico and left. Avi Garcia you know, finally had the year last year that Sox fans have been waiting for, and I feel like Avi Garcia will just get better. That wasn't a fluke. He's not going to Brady Anderson. He's going to be that good a player and find himself. Some some guys get confidence and they move forward. So center field is, is, is the question mark. Now, Adam Angle, I thought, was mostly all glove, no stick, but he's showing offense. Charlie Tilson just can't catch a break health-wise, and I want the guy to do well. You know, neutral guy, but he's had, you know, a couple of big, bad injuries. Yeah, and he's starting out at AAA. Rakan talked about this because they'd like to see him get out there every day, mm-hmm. get his feet under him, so to speak, get some confidence rolling, and then they can figure out what's going on in center field if they if there's a need, if there's not, and hopefully he can prove that he can stay on the field. Cordell, by the way, the one thing that should be mentioned, last year he had a back injury, which um, so he didn't play the final two months. Which so he's also another guy that's getting healthy, which you know the White Sox have had a you know have had a bunch of just uh, injuries this spring, which has been disappointing. I mean Jake right. Berger at the top of that list, but they also have guys like this Jake coming Berger. Back. One is tough, but nobody yeah. on the DL to start the season. Other guy, boy, the big news yesterday, Madison Bumgarner, yeah. who the day before he crushed a 400. And he's a very very good hitting pitcher. He's uh, just a stud at the plate. Crushed a 455-foot homer on Thursday. Yesterday, got hit on the hand uh, trying to field a ball, and uh, he's out six to eight weeks. Yep, and uh, Jeff Samarja went on the went on Man. the deal too. So, Giants a couple of injuries. San Francisco's a team that could actually surprise this year. Hey, opening weekend just around the corner. Join us April 5th to the 8th at Guaranteed Right Field. How awesome is that? As your White Sox take on their division rivals, the Detroit Tigers in the 2018 home debut. Here and I will be out there. Uh, there will be some great promotions and giveaways all weekend long. Visit WhiteSox.com to get your tickets today. Let's take a quick time out. Hopefully I'll have Matt Davidson coming on back here. 720 WGN. Wow, what a play! 720 WGN, the team's flagship radio station. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox. 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, indeed. I'm Mark Carmen. He's Harry Tynowitz. We're with you till 5.30. We're flipping around. We, we thought we were going to have Matt Davidson. We didn't get Matt Davidson. We're going to have him at 4.35. And we really appreciate NBC Sports Chicago's Chuck Garfine for being so flexible and just jumping right in there. Chuck, you are, you're you're nimble. You're flexible. You're amazing. Oh, this is Matt Davidson. <laughs> you're, well, well, Chuck slash Matt, how, how, how are you looking at this season for yourself there? Because uh, a lot of people have some high expectations. I'm wondering if you can, you know, if you're going to feel comfortable being uh, DHing more than being in the field. Uh, I'm going to hit 50 home runs this year. I'm going to drive in 150 uh, runs as well. I'm going to bet 330, and I'm going to draw 100 walks. What do you think about that? I like that. That's awesome. That would be great, that plate discipline. Uh, who do you think is the uh, best baseball person on television in Chicago, Matt? Easily Chuck Garfine. Um, I have never seen a better sportscaster, a sports writer, just better person or human being than Chuck Garfine. So I think that's that's what that's my answer. I heard that Chuck sat down with uh, Ozzy Gian. He's going to be and there's going to be a podcast available of Chuck and Ozzy. What do you what do you think Chuck asked Ozzy and perhaps got some interesting tidbits from the uh, former White Sox skipper? Yeah, 
I think I'm done with my Matt, Matt Davidson impression. <laughs> Man, it felt like he was right here in the room with us. I mean, I, we were there. You talked to Ozzy, man. How'd it go? Uh, it went great. Uh, so great, we had to put it into two podcasts. So um, the first one is out right now. And, you know, in that first one, we he went in depth about why he hasn't gotten a managing job since 2012 and what he's learned and if that'll ever happen again, whether he will be a manager in the future. Um, and we talked a lot about Sammy Sosa. Interesting. And why he uh, – there's actually a lot of – there was there turned out to be a lot of Cubs talk indirectly in this conversation because, you know, he, you know, he feels like, you know, Chicago has slighted him and turned his back on him and uh, on Sammy Sosa. But at the same time, I feel like Sammy needs to uh, fess up to really what happened there. But that's just my opinion. Um, you know, but uh, – that's out right now, and then on Monday we're putting out part two. And in part two, uh, Ozzy says what he would like to see happen in the Sox-Cubs rivalry, which um, I can't really – I don't want to say yet, but I think it'll definitely surprise some people what he'd like to see happen when the White Sox and Cubs take the field. And he also tells a great story about Lou Pinella. Remember back in 2010 when the White Sox played the Cubs and Pin, uh, uh, Zimbrano – Got uh, like through. Oh no, he got into a fight, a verbal argument. Derek Lee got with Derek Lee. Yeah, and Pinella had to separate him. Sen- he sent then, uh, Zambrano home. Sent Zambrano home after one inning. After the game, Lou Pinella sent a text to Ozzie Guillen, and you'll hear what that text said on, on the podcast. Look on at. I got to tease that. <laughs> Look at Chuck. And where can you get this podcast, Chuck? Uh, wherever you can get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Spotify. It's the White Sox Talk Podcast. And uh, we also talk about Manny Machado. Uh, Ozzy has known Manny Machado since Manny was eight years old. Wow. And he also revealed that Manny, when he played on this traveling team when he was a young kid, played for the White Sox. The White Sox was their team. Too bad, like you don't have some kind of rights when he wears the shirt, you know, when he's eight. Too bad you don't get the rights to him later. Uh, You know, so um, Ozzy was the right man for that 2005 team. Why do you think Ricky Renteria is the right man for this second year of the rebuild? That's a good question. I think. uh, Thank you. I'm done. Yeah, that's uh, that's the only good question you probably have today. Um, All month. <laughs> no, it's a really good question. I think Renteria is—he is a great communicator. He's got a ton of energy. He works well uniting a clubhouse, and it's—he's and connecting with people on multiple levels. And you can just see it. I mean, I remember we were, we arrived in Glendale for spring training, and we weren't even asking players about Renteria. Players just bringing up his name. That's the kind of effect that he has had on them. And this perception that Renteria is, you know, a, re- a rebuilding manager is, is, you know, I think that's a fallacy. I mean, it did happen once with the Cubs, and if, it wasn't, if Joe Madden, actually if Andrew Friedman hadn't been uh, let go, or not let go, if he hadn't, hadn't left Tampa for L.A. opening up this clause for Joe Madden to leave, I think Rick Renteria would still be the manager of the Cubs. Um, yes, he's been hired here to do another rebuild, but I think he'll be 
here for the long haul. We're going to find out for sure when the White Sox have more talent in the next year or two here. And at that point, the expectations are for them to win. And if they don't win then, well, then maybe Rick Renteria, you know, might not be the guy for the future. But I fully believe that he will be that guy. Chuck Garfine, NBC Sports Chicago, with us here on White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. What's your sense uh, on Michael Kopech and Aloy Jimenez here, Chuck? I mean, let, let's say they're both pitching. Well, one's pitching great and Aloy's mashing balls. At what point do you think they would give in, perhaps, and, and bring him up? Because, look, I mean, he's Jimenez has only played, you know, 18 games at AA, and, and Kopech hasn't pitched a ton of the minors either. But if they're both going well, like, what's your sense on that? Yeah, I kind of feel, well, they're going to be very patient. Um, but, you know, if Aloy is terrorizing AA pitching and it goes up to AAA and does the same, you know, at some point you have to, you can't just, you know, keep him down there and you got to award him and bring him up. And, uh, you know, I, I can't put a timetable on it. I don't think the White Sox would have it either, but I think they're going to kind of take it, if not month by month, kind of week by week and to see how things play out. It feels like Kopech would come up sooner just because he's in triple a. Um, but you know, I'm not sure he'll, he could dominate triple a. Like I think Aloy Jimenez could, if he, gets to triple-A. I mean, Jimenez might just go right straight up from double-A. But um, so Frank Thomas did. Yeah, I, I, could just, I just see them at some point this year. I mean, I, I can throw out, you know, June for Kopech or July or August for Jimenez, but we'll have to wait and see how the season progresses. I wouldn't be surprised if they came up on the earlier end and later end, but the Sox aren't trying to win anything this year. But it's baseball. Crazy things happen. And – you never know where the season might take you. Chuck, Wellington Castillo hit 20 bombs last year, 20 homers for a Wellington Castillo. But more importantly, he led the majors in percentage of throwing guys out. What kind yeah. of impact? So with all these young pitchers, what kind of impact do you think Wellington Castillo has on the Sox? Uh, big, big impact. And actually, you know, the White Sox wanted to sign Castillo last offseason, but it didn't turn out. He's been on the radar for a while. And, you know, he's he, – this is nothing against Omar Narvaez and Kim Smith, but the Sox needed a veteran back there and a guy who's got some power, and they needed more offense from their catching position, no doubt. Zach Collins is uh, probably the long-term answer, but you never know. And you got you had one thing to steal available. And give Rick Hahn credit and give Castillo credit for – you know, signing something early in the off season because, as you as we've all seen, it was not a good off season to be a free agent. So the Sox knew what they wanted. He, that was a big surprise. That was not expecting the White Sox to sign a two-year contract for a catcher this year, but they did. I think also, you know, he might be the first domino, if you want to say, for or the big stepping stone for this rebuild. When I talk about bringing guys in, because. Um, you know, Wellington, if, if things go right, um, maybe he could convince Manny Machado to come here. I don't know. They're good friends. I, th- I, I think it's probably a long shot that Machado ends up signing here, but he's a guy who is good friends with him. Uh, he revealed in the offseason that he, he'd been FaceTiming with Machado and was kind of joking with him, saying, hey, why don't you know you can come here and join us? So we'll, we'll see what happens next season, but next offseason. But 
I like his bat. I like his personality. I think he's going to work really well with these guys. That's that's really my answer there. Chuck Garfine, NBC Sports Chicago. Chuck, last one. You expecting Carson Fulmer to be the fifth starter? Well, he's going to start the season as the fifth starter, and uh, Santiago is going to be in the bullpen. But you know, they, you know, I, we'll see. I don't. You know, it's tough to sometimes judge a pitcher by spring training numbers. Don Cooper said that his curveball wasn't really that effective in the air of Arizona. We'll see if that actually makes a big difference when he comes here. You know, I think if you're if you're um, if you're a guy like uh, Clayton Kershaw, it doesn't matter where you're pitching. That curveball is going to be amazing. But if you don't, you know, if you're at the lower level, that lower or a, a step below, maybe the altitude in Arizona can affect your curveball, you know, negatively down there. But we're going to see. And they're going to give him some rope, and we'll see how he plays as a, the fifth starter with the White Sox in April and May. He looked great in September. Maybe his struggles in uh, spring training were, you know, just a mirage, so to speak. And, um, but if, it's, if he does, if he struggles, they've got some depth. They've got guys they can go to. They can bring Santiago back into the rotation. They can bring guys up from AAA. But I think they're giving uh, some rope to Carson Fulmer and see what he can do when the season begins in the rotation. Chuck, we'll see you at the ballpark. Great to talk to you. Anytime. Matt Davidson. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate it. <laughs> Chuck Garfine, NBC Sports Chicago, doing a great job covering the White Sox. Hey, uh, there's a ticket plan for every fan. You can get access to every opponent with a partial ticket package or handpick your games with a 10-game package. Secure your seats for the 2018 season today. For more information, call 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. Matt Davidson after the 430 News, 720 WGN. Going a strike. Davidson drills it. Left center field. No matter where it lands, it's over. It's gone. Davidson plays here on 3-1. See you later. July 30th last year, White Sox 3, Indians 1. Matt Davidson, the bomb to win it. That is a sweet moment. And uh, Matt Davidson about to join us here on 7 20 WGN, as we were mentioning, Harry, he's leading the team. Leading all of baseball. In, with RBIs at 19. He's leading the team with walks with eight. He's got 21 hits. He's got the most at-bats of anybody on the team uh, in spring training with 63. So he's been out there hitting three, uh, 33 on base percentage of 408. The OBP 603, you combine it all in, that's a, that's a 1,012 for the spring. That's a, that's a good spring, Matt Davidson. Thank you for taking time, and, and welcome to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. Have you been uh, pleased with how the spring has gone for yourself? I'm assuming the answer to that is yes. Yes, how did you know? <laughs> I am smart, Matt Davidson. I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, it's, it's been fun. Uh, you know, just kind of... Um, Looked at my season last year and, and decided I needed to probably swing at more strikes and not as many balls and make some better decisions. And and uh, that's kind of what I was trying to improve on and walk a little bit more. And, and uh, it, it happened this spring, so I just want to take it on into the year. So that's not that easy to do, though, right? I mean, I think throughout your whole career, I'm like, I, I'd rather not strike out. I'd rather swing at strikes. What... what uh... What's been the change? Is it just maturing and, and getting better as you get older, or is there something more to it? Yeah, I think that has a little bit to do with it. I think, you know, having confidence in what I did last year it helps as well, too, at the highest level. And uh, um, But also, you know, I mean, um, 
just trying to be a little more efficient with my decisions and and being disciplined in that and and uh you know trusting myself and I think it's just a culmination of everything of a lot of things but uh you know uh you're just trying to keep it in it keep it going during the year and uh the consistency factor and that's kind of uh you know, I mean, the best guys are, they're not necessarily any better than anybody else in the league, but they just do it every single day, you know, and that's what makes them so good. So that's what we're all striving for, to be as consistent as possible, and, and that's what we're doing. Well, you know, Matt, you talk about how you you gained all this confidence with the season you had last year. What is it like to wake up in the morning and know that you're leading all of Major League Baseball in RBIs this spring? Um, you know, I, that's something, you know, spring training stats don't really, uh, eh, not too shabby. I know a lot of guys would switch <laughs> places with you, Matt. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, you, you love to have those numbers and, um, you know, but I, I try to keep myself disciplined and what I wanted to accomplish. And, and it was really kind of that on-base percentage and kind of wanted to go from there. And, and that was the number I was really looking for that I wanted to be in and high and get some more walks in. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, I mean, that that was really nice for sure. I definitely want to save those. I, I wouldn't mind taking those into the season. Um, but, uh, you know, they'll come and, and uh, just want to continue what I'm doing here uh, in a couple of days. Well, you touched on the mental side of it. Like the best in the game, they do it every single day. They've got their routine. They know how to handle failure. None of this is easy. It comes with experience. Or maybe some people are just blessed that they, you know, I don't know, they have it right when they get to the big leagues. That's not normally the case. I mean, for you... How do you handle, okay, I just went over four, I struck out three times, and now I'm going to come back back out and feel confident tomorrow? Like, How have you worked through just getting yourself to, okay, that just happened, that's in the past, I'm still good, I can do this? You know, that that, that whole process, I think that's just, uh, it fascinates me how you guys do that every and, and, and be able to perform in front of people, on TV, huge, you know, in the majors, 162 games, the whole part of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, really that is the name of the game, and that's also, you know, something in life, you know. I mean, you're always going to face challenges and stuff like that, you know. Um, For me, I was kind of at rock bottom in Charlotte, and the fact that I came back from that really kind of has matured me and and showed me that you can come back from failure like that. And uh, me looking back, and man, I mean, after those two years, I mean, I thought my career was over for sure. And so, you know, 0 for 4 doesn't necessarily – um, ruin my day too much anymore, you know. I mean, obviously, I wanna um, don't want to go for four, but um, you know, I, I think I think it's kind of getting rid of that um, that feeling of failure, you know, not holding on to it. Um, you know, if you, you notice, you know, kids a lot, younger kids, um, the kids that haven't failed yet, you know, they don't even know the feeling of failure, and we only really know the feeling of failure because we've done it before. You know, and really a lot of that um, anxiousness and and that, um, you know, I guess fear of failure really comes from past experiences. So, um, you know, if you could stay in the moment and focus on what you need to do um, and not kind of drag that failure with you, um, you know, I mean, I think that that's a good way to start. But, uh, you know, once you fail and have done that 0 for 4, you know what the 0 for 4 feels like. So when you're 0 for 3, you're like, oh, man, you don't even really realize it, but you know, the anxiousness and, and the, oh, I don't want to go for four wide because, you know, I, well, I know what 0 for 4 feels like and I don't want to do that, you know, and so you kind of already start thinking negatively like that. Um, so really, I mean, it's easy, it's easier said than done to forget about your failure, but, you know, I mean, really failure comes from the past and it has nothing to do with the future only if you let it. 
Matt, Rock Bottom in Charlotte. That sounds like a country song. Well, <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I I wouldn't make it a country song, but I can't sing or play an instrument, so I'm, I can't do that. But other than that, you could do the song. <laughs> I could write it, I guess, right? Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I just to go back on and talk it through, I mean, you're talking about playing – you know, a full season in 199, then let's do it again, and you hit 203. I can understand how you would think, like, this this is not going the way I thought it would be. Like, you're you're in the big leagues with Arizona. You come to the White Sox. It's a huge trade. Everyone's excited to have you. Uh, I mean, I give you a ton of credit for battling through it and being where you're at. You you, you deserve props. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Was anybody at Charlotte who you want to perhaps give credit to sort of helped you along? Um, I mean, the you know Mike Gellinger, our minor league coordinator, I got with him after that 15 season, and he really turned my career around and the thought process, and and uh, you know changed my whole idea of hitting. and And he, I really owe him, you know, a ton of credit for my swing and turning that around. and And uh, you know, um, I still work with him today, and and I can't thank him enough. Now, I mean, uh... other than that, there's countless people that you know could get you through that you know but uh as far as the swing that it, it was him now, now matt uh on monday it's a special day for all of us but it's a special day for you you're going to turn uh a whopping 27 do you feel like you're an old man on this team full of youngsters i definitely do you hit it on that I, I it's like geez 27 i mean that's getting up there so um you know, I'm, I, I might try to keep a clean-shaven look so I look a little bit younger, you know, <laughs> blend in more. Do you, do you know what famous people you share a birthday with? I have no idea, but let's hear it. Dude, dude, Steven Tyler, lead singer of Aerosmith. Oh, that's legit. I like Aerosmith. <laughs> right. How can you not? Uh, Kenny, Kenny Chesney. He's another guy. Oh, I, I love Kenny Chesney, too. Jeez, you, you keep it rolling. Okay. Well, uh, Diana Ross. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's, it's not so far. It's it's a pretty pretty good list, right? Yeah, really good list. Okay, Kara uh, uh, Knightley. She's uh, very attractive. If you like that type of woman. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think. I can't. I don't know what she looks like. I, I would have to Google her. Yeah, you just. I don't know what she looks like either. But now I'm curious. Go you ahead, know, Harry. You know, Kara Knightley. She's Kara Knightley is in all those like period pieces. Like she's in all those, um, you know, uh, London, you know, 800 years ago when women were different, you know, than they are now. Uh, so I, I'm th- Leslie Mann, who's uh, yeah. Leslie Mann is um, uh, uh, she's uh, come on. Her husband is the director, Judd Apatow. Okay. She's in all those movies. She's uh, in Forty Year Old Virgin. She's amazing, Matt. You you share okay, a birthday yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, so 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 I'm wondering if we need to change your walk up song. So what's your walk up song going to be heading into the season? Because maybe we take an Aerosmith or a Kenny Chesney song. True, true. Um, right now it's uh, it's going to be the same one I used last year. Imagine Dragons. Believer is the song name. That's a good song. Uh, I know that. Yeah. So. I, I I just play it from right from the start, so uh, the the fans kind of were starting to sing along at the end of the year. So I thought that was pretty cool. That that that's when you know that you're you're on the way, man. When 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 people are getting into your walk up song, that that's a big moment. Can I well, hold on a second here? Because we're going personal here. So I, if you're if you're willing, you have a brother, Kevin, correct? Yes, I do. Is that your only brother, or is there more? I got a younger sister as well. What's her name? 
if I can. Nicole. Nicole. Okay, now your kids are named Brixton and Wake, correct? Yes. So you got Nicole, Kevin, Matt. That, that's pretty standard, right? Now we yeah. got a Brixton and we got a Wake. I'm guessing that your wife named the kids. Am I correct, or or did you go off the board here? Because this, this is a whole new level going on here. All right, yeah. Well, first, uh, my daughter, Brixton, was born first, and, and uh, I, we kind of had – we had a couple names in mind, but really didn't have any idea even like the past – like the last week going into – her being born, uh, but I was driving and on Sirius XM on the radio or whatever, um, a band, it was Rixton. It's a band, I guess. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool name, Rixton. And my wife ended up putting a B on it, Brixton. So that's how we got Bricks. We wow. call her Brixie. Oh, um, great name. Love Brixie. Yeah, Brixie's perfect. Uh, and then uh, Wake actually has a, a little bit better of a story. Uh, when I was of all, I mean, this is, goes way back. When I was 15, um, I was playing with Team USA out in North Carolina, and we would drive to the park at Cary there on a bus um, every day. And for whatever reason, there's a park called Wake Memorial Park that we we go by all the time. For some reason, 15, I was like, I'm going to name my son that one day. So that was kind of that was Wake for you. Wow, you, Matt. Uh, I, I haven't, you know, I, I've, I've interviewed a couple times as reporters, but I've, I've never like sat down. You're like officially way cooler than anybody's going here. I mean, you're you're just you're listening to music, you're picking names, your wife's adding on. We've got fields, we've got. I, I love what you're doing. I, I'm just glad you weren't tra- doing the uh, team in Wisconsin because you might have been stopping at Bong Recreational Park. In Harry, <laughs> that wouldn't have been good for anybody. Uh, Matt, yeah, I know, right? You wouldn't at a 15 years old. You know, you don't. The mind hasn't uh, quite matured right. yet. Right, but Matt, you're probably you had four four hundred fourteen trips to the dish last year. You're probably going to get five hundred abs uh, this season. Do you care how much you play third base, or are you happy to be the DH every game? Um, you know, I I think uh, you know we all want to play the position. Um, you know, I definitely would like to do that. But uh, I'll tell you what, man, this uh, this team is pretty special, and we got a lot of young guys and a lot of guys that could play a lot of positions and. And we play hard, and, and uh, you know, so I, I'm just extremely blessed and honored to be on this team. You know, that a team that, you know, kept me on the roster after those two years in Charlotte that I'm just pumped to get those 500 bats. You know, I would like to play in the field, you know, and I think it will happen at some point. But uh, I'm fine with DHing, and, uh, you know, I just got to try to stay out of the food room when I'm DH. <laughs> have, have, have you talked to other guys that have been, like, primarily a DH about the different approach? Because, I mean, it's got to be a whole different mantra coming to the game. You're not going out every inning. You're just going to get in that bat, like, every three innings. Have you talked to, you know, Frank Thomas or, or other guys that have been just a DH? Yeah, a little bit, you know, like Frank and then Jim Tomey as well. Right, um, Harold. You know, and, and, and it's really, it's really, you got to just find a routine that gets you locked in. And, you know, DHing, I'll tell you what, DHing is really easy when um, everything's going good, when you're getting hits and, you know, you're having a good week and all that stuff. But it could get challenging when you're struggling because you could definitely, like, dive in the video room, you could be hitting too much all that stuff, you know, you could really kind of get inside your head because you have so much time, you know, you don't have anything like defense, like distracting you and you have to have a task to do, you know, and to focus. So um, that's the biggest thing I learned last year was when, you know, it's going rough, you know, not to dig deeper and just kind of 
you know, find something to figure out to do. But it's definitely tough at times. Um, you know, I try to, you know, do a little bit of running and, and stretching and, and stay on, you know, just get my body, keep it warm. Um, but other than that, um, you know, I have my, like, little pre-hitting routine, like, right before I'm to get up, you know, like the inning before. But other than that, it's pretty simple. Yeah, I would think it'd be hard, and I, I like that you're saying that. I, I think that's what I would do here. I'd get a little, do a little downward dog, get a little stretch going on here, get just a little calming flexibility, something. I have no idea what I'm talking about here, Matt, but you know, I'm, a, I'm an outstanding 12-inch softball player. Oh my god! By that I mean average. Uh, you sound. I, I believed you. So um, whatever downward dog is, you know, but it sounds, it sounds legit. No yoga? You don't do the yoga? No, I know I do yoga. Okay. Come on, my wife shops at Lululemon. <laughs> that's expensive. That, You're that, right there. That, that's, that's a whole. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. W- Matt, as you go here. You know, who knows what's going to happen this year, but it sounds like you guys are super optimistic that you're going to surprise and be right in there. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, uh, we want to win. And, and ultimately, in the future, we're going to win, you know, as we progress and, you know, we add players or this or that. But um, why why not start now with that mindset? And, you know, nobody wants to go to the field expecting to lose. And that's definitely what we're not doing. We're we're getting ready to prepare and, and you know, to beat these teams. And, and, and that's all you can do, really. You know, you can just do what you can control. And, and I think we'll be uh, – I think it's going to create the right um, atmosphere and the and the right mindset for the future here on the on the south side. Boy, you just hit it. Don't worry about what you can't control. Um, right? Yeah. Good lo- easier, easier said than done. But, you know, I mean, the most successful people in anything and successful teams, they, they accomplish their game you know, and their goals, and it, it takes care of itself. You know, I mean, when you're worrying about when you're worrying about other things, you know, it's taken away from what you can do. Well, you know, you got a lot of fans up here. You know what they are? They're, they're believers. I love it. Matt, great to talk to you. Best of luck this year. We can't wait to see you at Guaranteed Rate Field. Hope you have the, your best season yet, man, and uh, we'll, we'll be uh, looking forward to talking to you during the season. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. It was our pleasure. Matt Davidson. Thanks, your, Matt. Terrific. Your, your DH, your third baseman, your – I mean, I'd hire him to name your kids, really, at the end of the day. It's, I mean, come on. The way your that wife you, adding the B. The way the wife added the B. What if Lu, What if Wendy had done that with Lucy? She'd be Belusi. That would not be good for Belusi. Yeah, no, or Reggie. Better, He'd be Reggie. I think you, you did better with Lucy and Reggie. All right. of, of course, what if Mr. Springsteen just wanted to call him Roos? And the wife said, hey, let's put a B in front of it. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. 720 WGN, it's White Sox Weekly. Question for you that we'd love to get answers on the text line, 312 312- Nine eight one seventy two hundred three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. It's our fans' corner question of the week, sponsored by CJ Wilson Mazda and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. All right, here it is for you: August second, nineteen ninety. Why is that day incredibly special in White Sox history, and perhaps? Could be duplicated August 2nd, 2018. 312-981-7200. August 2nd, 1990. And maybe it could be a big day August 2nd, 2018. That's the Fans Corner question sponsored by CJ Wilson Mazda and ZoomZoomNation.com. 
After 5 o'clock, Joel Goldberg covers the Royals. We'll preview Kansas City and the opener uh, right after the 5 o'clock news. This is White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox. 720 WGN. Great to have you, Jerry Reinsdorf. Thrilled to be the new home of the Chicago White Sox, 720 WGN. My name is Mark Carmen. He's Harry Tynowitz. Joel Goldberg has been doing phenomenal work covering the Kansas City Royals. He's a World Series champion. Harry, I've walked out of the K, as they call it, Kauffman Stadium. Mm -hmm. There are people lining up to get Joel Goldberg's autograph. It's unbelievable. This is a a guy that's, you know... Bigger icon in Kansas City, George Brett or Joel Goldberg? It's real close. What do you think, Joel? let's, Let's do a little Q rating on that. A Q rating would be below George, below Harry in Chicago. See... I told I told Daniel, producer, that tell Carmen this is a huge honor for me to be on with him. He's a big deal. And I said, actually, no, Harry's a bigger deal. Because I, <laughs> I grew up listening to Harry. Oh, well, I mean, so, I mean it's the truth. No, it, no it's just, it means you've been doing great radio for a long time. So, um, Well, all that stopped. Don't at, <laughs> just don't look at any of the pictures because I remember, I remember seeing Gene Greco once years ago. And I'm like, man, you came and spoke at my high school. And he looked at me and. He's like, oh, my God, because I had a lot of gray hair. So um, I don't know if it makes you feel younger, older, or whatever, but it's good to be out with both of you guys. Did you grow up a Sox or a Cub fan, Joel? Out of protest, I grew up a Sox fan, which is really weird to do growing up in Highland Park, but um, my family moved to Highland Park when I was 13. I was a diehard Phillies fan growing up outside of Philadelphia, and at that point the Phillies and the Cubs were in the same division, so there was absolutely no way that I could root for – you know, any division rival of the Phillies, so I just adopted the White Sox to be obnoxious. I, I like that. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you know it's, you're doing the opposite. You're George Costanza-ing it. <laughs> it. That's not an easy thing to do on the North Shore. No. But, you, you know, it was, also, it was also a good time. I mean, as, as I was kind of, you know, graduating high school around those years, Big Frank and Robin and all those guys and Ozzy were coming up. So, I mean, it was, it was obviously an easy team to root for. And then I remember, like, the ultimate was 1993. I think it was 93 with the Phillies and the White Sox both in the in the playoffs was a cool year. But I, I will say, and I'm not trying to be politically correct or anything like that, but it was – I enjoyed watching the Cubs win. I like Joe Madden having dealt with him a lot in the American League. And, you know, I mean, it's like the same thing probably for you guys and all of us now, too. Once you're in the business, it's just they're all other teams. Well, Joel, the Sox are beginning uh, their season with your Royals, and just a couple years ago, the Royals were like this exciting, fun, young team. It's hard. When I look at the average age, and the Royals are amongst the oldest teams in baseball, it kind of threw me off. Uh, I want to go to your pitching. Danny Duffy is awesome. To spend seven years with one American League team and have an ERA of Mm -hmm. 373, that guy is awesome. But where are you at with the rest of your rotation? No, it's a good point, Harry, and uh, a little bit of a scare today. I'm not there. I, I, I'm back at home already, but I know that he came out of his start early today, pulled out from the trainers. They just reported that it was some shoulder tightness. He's saying he fully expects to make the opening day start off of James Shields, which, by the way, sidebar, will turn into this if you have a dialogue between those two Southern California former teammates. Dude, dude, yo, dude, <laughs> dude. It, it, That's all it'll be. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Um, the rest of the pitching is interesting from this standpoint. You guys are certainly familiar with Jason Hamill. 
Ian Kennedy's been around Major League Baseball a long time. Both guys underachieved last year. Uh, Hamill had some stretches where he showed what his uh, you know, potential, his potential is. If those two guys are what they should be, don't want to be superstars. And if Danny Duffy, Duffy stays healthy, and then they got a guy Nate Carnes who they got in a trade for Gerard Dyson, their speedster, prior to last year, he looked lights out. And then he ended up having that thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, and he's back to healthy. So I think the big ifs on them, and it's really no different than the past, they don't have that Chris Dale type. They don't have that John Lester superstar. Um, But if everybody does what they should, they've got a rotation that can hang in there. For once, for the first time in a long time, it's actually their bullpen that's the big question mark. Joel Goldberg at TV in Kansas City with us here as we take a look at the Royals and – you know, when we bring him up, Joel, here, it's it's a, a lot of it is the comparison. Can the White Sox do what the Royals did, one of the, you know, or the Astros or whoever? Like, do you yeah. see similarities there between what the White Sox are doing and what Kansas City was able to do? Yeah, you know what I sensed from the White Sox last year, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I, in doing the pre and post, I travel with the team. I don't do it from a studio. So, you know, I get a chance to, to, to visit with other players, other teams, managers, and all of that. What I really liked from what I saw from the White Sox last year, which did remind me a little bit of the Royals, say, maybe like around 2011, 2012, when Hosmer came up and Moustakis and Salvador Perez and all these young guys started to emerge, is I liked the White Sox energy last year. You know, I just I felt really good about some of these young guys coming up and, and, and especially Rick Renteria's energy. So I think that from that standpoint, it does remind me of the Royals. It does remind me a little bit of of the Astros. I think there's some differences. Um, You know, the Royals were starting from scratch. I mean, when Dave Moore took over in 2006, and that's where a lot of people say now they're in a rebuild or some form of a rebuild, and that's probably – I mean, it's true, but they're not building a whole system from scratch anymore. Wherever their system, their minor league system is, is ranked at this point, they have infrastructure in place, which they never had. It feels like the White Sox kind of had to take that big step back to go forward, and it feels to me very much like, like they're on the right track. And I'm not just saying that, but I, I, I think the future is really bright for, for all the young talent that they brought in. Are you you surprised that uh, Moose, Mike Moustakis is back? Because that played out forever, and he didn't get near the money that he wanted, but... Uh... I think like Kansas City was pretty much ready to move on, but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back at this rate. This whole market, I think, shocked everyone. I mean, nobody nobody saw that and read the tea leaves on this one. I mean, okay, in the end, Hosmer ends up getting a, a huge deal. Um, you know, some guys did. I mean, did you think that a Jake Arrieta would last this long no. and suddenly get the deal that he did? I mean, none of us saw this coming. But I think, and maybe there are people around the country and in different markets that would say otherwise, but I, I think that Mike Moustakis receiving a one-year, $6.5 million deal, no one saw that coming. I don't think anyone really saw him coming back to Kansas City unless there was some way that they got Hosmer back and said, let's just keep the band together and uh, figure out a way to make it work. Uh, but I think the concern all along was that that was going to be too expensive and you know you got to move forward. But to get, I mean, for a guy that is 29, maybe just turned 30 years old, that hit 38 home runs playing at Kauffman Stadium to only get six and a half, I mean, that that was a shock. Great for the Royals. I mean, they went out there in the last month and for almost no money 
got John Jay in center field, who will really help replace Hosmer's leadership, I think, this year with the younger team. Uh, although, as Harry mentioned, older, but they've got a lot of youth coming up. And then they got Lucas Duda, who at least has the um, the power to replace some of what they lost um, elsewhere. And they went out and signed all these guys, even just pulling off a deal for Justin Grimm for a, for a bullpen that, that really is depleted right now. It was kind of like a, a, a long off-season game of musical chairs. And when the when the music stopped, the Royals were one of the only teams that had chairs left. How close were they at in bringing Hosmer back? I think pretty close. Um, you know, I, and I think I think there was a lot of serious talk about it. I mean, they'll never tell you, but I think there were, there, were, there was certainly a tipping point where they were going to say, "Look, either either this is it, or we're going to move on." And I think that all along, when it was, you know, a choice between here and San Diego, San Diego. A lot of money up front, a lot of guarantees in there. Uh, I don't know where the Royals' comfort level was. I, I could just say this, that he, he was going to be their target if there was any way to pull it off just because of all the intangibles to go along with everything else. So from the offense to the defense to the championship caliber to the leadership, he's as good of a leader that I've covered in any sport in my 25-plus years of, of television. He's, he's that legit. So San Diego will benefit greatly from him and I think the Royals wanted to find a way to to do that it was you know it was a it was a tough spot only in the sense that they want to turn the page and start getting new new and young guys up and and kind of get the next wave of the Hosmers uh and and, and see if they could build all that who better to usher all those kids in and show them the right way to do it than a than a true born leader uh, but there was a cost to it and I think that you know, eventually they walked. I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you, Harry, but I used to work in Kansas City, and Eric Hosmer, who we're talking about, yes. you know, big man on campus. The yes. Kansas City's got great barbecue. One of the nicer places is Jack Stack, which is right downtown. Very popular and always very crowded. Friday night, Eric Hosmer, Joel Goldberg, you will believe this story. He's just sitting there, one of the people waiting for a table, and I'm like, dude, you're Eric Hosmer. Just... You know, it was before, it was this was like 11 when I was working there. They still didn't know, and he just waited. And to, to what Joel's talking about, like guys like that, to have somebody who doesn't think he's bigger than you uh, around the team, there's huge value in that. Uh, hell yeah. Well, we're visiting for a little bit longer with Joel Goldberg. He does the pre and post for the Kansas City Royals. He's a uh, Highland Park boy made good in Kansas City. Joel, we just had a really good chat with Matt Davidson, who's going to hit 50 home runs this year for the White Sox. 60. Uh, your DH is a name familiar to a lot of Chicagoans. What do you expect from a Jorge Soler this season? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, and it's an important. Thank you. One that's two. That's that's two more than I had all of last year. You know, they're they're good days and they're, they're I'm sorry, they're good years and they're bad years, right? <laughs> so, um, 2018 is off to a to a good. There's still a chance to ruin it, I suspect. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's I it's really important here. In, in Kansas City, you know, they made that trade knowing that they weren't going to be able to keep Wade Davis. The Cubs, obviously, for them, with the amount of outfielders they had to be able to go and get a championship-caliber closer made a lot of sense. The other thing that the Royals had, which I don't think the Cubs really did anymore, was, was they had the ability to be a little bit more patient with him. And so they had three more years of, uh, I think it's three more years of, of seeing what he can do. I know that he came into camp in better shape. Everybody says, uh, says that, it seems like, every single year. A lot of the coaching staff raved about 
a couple of things that he's done very well in camp. They said he tracks balls really well, and they've been impressed with his defense. So that's that's good if he's going to play some right field uh, and and DH also, uh, and maybe play a little bit of left. But he's also walked a lot, and so they know he's going to strike out a lot. Uh, but they would love to see that power turn. You guys know what power is in that body. They would love to see that power, the walks, and if the strikeouts come with it, so so be it. I think that the big message they have for him, and you know, they actually were crowded in the outfield last year. They were crowded at, at the DH spot, and and finally just sent him to the minors because he was struggling up here and just said, "Go work down there." And I think they called him in late in the season, and and basically said, "Look." You know, just go and do your thing. They don't want him to feel a lot of pressure. There's not a lot of pressure on him this year from the team. I think it's it's his job to go out there and play every single day. They're going to make a big effort to get him a lot of the best. And, you know, it's important for them. I mean, it's it's not easy to find power. Power is expensive. And if, if, if they can find that in Jorge Soler, uh, or at least unlock that power, which we know is, is there, it's a, it's a big get for them. Joel Goldberg, great stuff. Uh, you want to make a wager? We'll we'll reconvene at the end of the season. Lou Malnati's for, uh, let's go, Arthur Bryant's barbecue. White Sox better record than the Royals. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take that bet. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, so if I win, you're buying me Lou Malnati's? Yep, sending it down. Or whenever you come in town. We'll meet you at the lodge with, you, with, with Swanee and the whole thing. Just- yeah, can you just send me the Lou Malnati's regardless? <laughs> <laughs> send me some Lou Malnati's, some Portillo's, and some Michael's from Highland Park, uh, and I'll be good to go. So good, the cheese fries. Joel, thanks, man. Great to talk to you. All right, fellas. Joel Goldberg. There you go, Fox Sports, Kansas City. Thank you, Joel. The uh, first pitch for the White Sox on WGN is Thursday at 3.15. Of course, there will be coverage leading up to that just uh, all day, all week. As they take on Joel Goldberg's Royals. Become an official member of the White Sox today by joining the free WhiteSox.com blacklist. You get breaking news. You get the latest videos, special ticket offers, and more delivered right to your inbox. Visit WhiteSox.com slash blacklist to register today. Quick time up. Blackhawks hockey coming up, 720 WGN. 720 WGN wrapping up White Sox Weekly. Hey, Family Sundays feature tickets as low as $5 in the upper level, $15. That's in the lower level, parking for only $10. You get uh, special family-focused activities located throughout the ballpark. Great day to go out. Family Sundays are proudly presented by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sundays. To purchase your tickets today, Harry, and a reminder, join us as the White Sox take on the Detroit Tigers on Saturday, April 7th. That's at 110. First 15,000 fans will receive a White Sox winner hat presented by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola tastes feeling to purchase tickets. Visit WhiteSox.com today. White Sox, uh, I mentioned August 2nd, 1990. Uh, earlier in the show, mm-hmm. and, and and we got a ton of people texting in Frank Thomas's debut. Uh, that's true, but it was also Alex's for, Alex Fernandez's debut as well. Good first start, thirty-two. Right. So my speculation: why not? Why don't we do August second, nineteen ninety, all over again this year? August second, twenty eighteen. Michael Kopech, Eloy Jimenez, bam, Harry. I like it. Go there. Now you're thinking. All right, we'll we'll get you we'll get you ready for. Blackhawks hockey, and we'll wrap up White Sox Weekly next, 720 WGN. Blackhawks and the Islanders coming right up. Thanks for listening to White Sox Weekly. Back with you next weekend at 4 o'clock. Thanks to Dan Long for producing the program today. There's no better way 
to watch a White Sox game than in premium seating, Harry. You can enjoy first-class amenities in our all-inclusive club areas or private suites. For more information, call 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. Sox beat the Dodgers today 7-3. They also sent down uh, two relievers, Jenmar Gomez and Bruce Rondon. Harry, great to be with you. Great to be with you, Carm. Opening day is just five days away. Chris Bowden coming right up. And a reminder to head to the park for Dollar Vienna Beef Hot Dogs every Wednesday. Home game this season. Harry, we can have ten of them. That's ten bucks. Take advantage of this. Un- There's that Iowa mathematic education coming to play for you. Right there for you. Take advantage of this unbeatable deal as you cheer on the Sox all season long. Get your single game tickets now at WhiteSox.com. Sox, Royals Thursday, the opener right here on 720 WGN. Blackhawks hockey now.